Welcome to The Pestle, reviewing and breaking down movies to look for insights into the movie-making process. Hosted by Andy and Red. Let's take down the house lights and start the show. Welcome, everybody, to The Pestle. Today's show is brought to you by Nakatomi Plaza. Join the party at everyone's favorite hangout. At our newly renovated offices, we have co-working options for everyone. No shoes, ho, ho, no problem. And Nakatomi Plaza. Welcome to The Pestle. I am Wes. And I am Todd. And this is the show where we like to break apart a movie, you know, just try to look for what we see that they're doing from the perspective of filmmakers and uh, people who do this for a living and also am mildly obsessed with with doing it. Like, <laughs> Putting it mildly. Yeah. We just really love watching something and saying, not only how did they do that, but more to the point, why did they do that? Yeah, yeah. That usually pulls me in just a little bit more because, oh, it's it's fine. Like you can Michael Bay something and make it look like epic every shot. You know, you do this epic zoom in and it's like, mm-hmm. can I have brownies? <laughs> like, it doesn't really matter. But in the right film, why they do something begins to impact you emotionally on a different level than you really understand that's happening, which is good. Yeah. That's what we call the suspension of disbelief. Yeah. Like it, you're so emotionally engaged, you forget that you're watching a movie. And how often does that happen to you? I feel like where you you allow this suspension of disbelief. Is it all the time? I mean, as a filmmaker yourself, I feel like it's probably less than maybe 15 years ago when you weren't a filmmaker. Yeah, you know I think I mean? you're right. Yeah, and even then, I was whenever I would watch, I would study the story on yeah. some level, but it was way easier. You're no no doubt. Um, nowadays, I mean, it really takes a movie with an amazing story that's filmed with the right intention. Um, something like gravity, you know, it has to kind of really say, Hey, pay attention because this is, you know, pulling at the universal heartstrings, you know, theme has always been a big deal to me, you know, the last year and a half since we started doing these. And I, I noticed when there's a really strong theme, I can really get pulled in and forget that I'm still a filmmaker and Hey, don't forget to pay attention because emotionally I'm just like, fighting you know with my character yeah that's a great feeling that is a great feeling (laughs) those are the best whenever i'm watching something i think warrior has been still the hardest one for me to remember to to study oh gosh that's a i always get pulled into that film if you haven't seen warrior go watch it like yeah it's one of those i constantly we did did an episode on it yeah let's harken back to that we'll put it in the show notes yeah and it's so worth watching and then going and i this is one of those that i try to sleeper hit people with it yeah and try to like oh hey you should check out this movie it's okay and then people are like oh okay and it's how do you recommend a movie without overselling it? <laughs> I mean, yeah, especially when you like it and you just want other people to like it so badly. Yeah. You're like, you're going to love this. Like, I know your opinion before you even know it. Uh, it's hard. It's hard to do because then, yeah, you don't want to. You also don't want to influence them, you know, and if you don't and if you do oversell it and they see it and normally they would say, man, that, that was a badass movie. They come back and say, yeah, it was pretty good. You know, which is not the same. It's not. Yeah. It's not. You want them to feel that energy and that rush, that surprise yeah. Yeah. that you had whenever you saw it for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a good feeling. Definitely. <laughs> Today we're going to be doing a little space movie. We we gravitate towards a lot of space films. I wonder, like as a percentage, <laughs> how many movies we've Definitely done. probably the highest percentage. <laughs> I don't think it's like 70% or anything, but it might be like 40%. That's like... To me, Which is a lot, because what episode are we on right now? 67? 67. God, I'm old. <laughs> it's like, to me, space movies and sci-fi, that's like modern-day magic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, okay, you can't... You can, I think part of it is whether you are a filmmaker or are not, when you watch a space movie, you're always thinking, how the hell did they do that? <laughs> you, you know, like, no yeah. matter what, you're thinking, okay... If you're a filmmaker, you're thinking, okay, uh, I know, the, okay, that they're probably on a 35 here, <laughs> and and those mountains are probably CG'd in. Uh, you know, this isn't really Mars. Maybe, where did they shoot this? They probably shot this in Death Valley, or you know, all those yeah. things. But you're still like in it, right? Yeah. Because it's just this grandiose thing. And if you're not a filmmaker, you're still thinking, my God, how did they do that? <laughs> you know, uh, especially with a movie like Gravity. I, I love that we're doing this this week. Yeah. And when we said this, this last week, 
when you gave me the option, I said immediately gravity because I remember loving it and, you know, having that same feeling of how the hell did they do this? And watching it again, I had the exact same feeling the entire time from the opening shot, which is like, I don't know, 10 minutes long, <laughs> yeah. um, to, to, you know, the final shot, which is still really long. And I, I love how he allows the actors to just continue on and to do their own thing throughout the film. But it's, it's all told from this larger than life, larger than existence kind of scope it, which it just puts you in awe, whether you're a filmmaker or not. I mean, you can't help but just think, my God, this is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Super excited to talk about this one today. Yeah. If you haven't seen it, maybe you should be aware that there are spoilers. There are definitely spoilers, and we don't like spoiling things. So even though we've kind of spoiled it a little bit by telling you what we think of it, uh, we haven't spoiled any of the story. So go ahead and pause the episode, go watch the movie, and then come back. Join us. Definitely. We're going to talk about several things but at a minimum we'll touch on like cinematography motivated camera moves how they did some of the visual effects um theme and symbolism that's probably going to be my favorite one uh there's so much rich story and depth to it that's happening and we'll talk about other such stuff and things and stuff and things a synopsis of the film two astronauts work together to survive after an accident leaves them stranded in space it's directed by alfonso coiron it's a screenplay by Alfonso Cuaron and Jonas Cuaron. Are they brothers? I'm assuming. Yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, starring Sandra Bullock as Ryan Stone and George Clooney as Matt Kowalski. You learn about that in training? I never got to land the simulator, I told you. But you know about it. And I crashed it Listen, every time. Listen, you want to go back or do you want to stay here? I get it. It's nice of you. You can just... Shut down all the systems. Turn out all the lights. Just close your eyes and tune out everybody. There's nobody up here that can hurt you. It's safe. And what's the point of going on? What's the point of living? Your kid died. It doesn't get any rougher than that. Still, it's a matter of what you do now. If you decide to go, then you gotta just get on with it. Sit back, enjoy the ride. You gotta plant both your feet on the ground and start living life. How did you get here? I could just sit and watch the rest of that. I remember seeing that scene and thinking, what the hell is happening right now? There's no way she's alive. Okay, this can't be real. But now she's having this real conversation, interacting with him, not just verbally, but physically. And like, okay, maybe it, maybe it is. No, there's no way. That would be impossible. But maybe... And then it pans away from him. And I was like, okay. Uh, yeah. As soon as you see the zoom in, you're like, okay, he's yeah, not going to be there. And maybe other people would have uh, the whole time thought, okay, she's, and maybe you thought the whole time she's just dreaming this. This is not real. No. And 95% of me thought that, but yeah. there was this 5% that was holding on to because you want him to, to be okay. You just love him as a character the whole time he's alive and you want him to be okay. And then all of a sudden he's back. <laughs> oh my God, this is amazing. But, you know, alas. Yeah, what a great casting choice to put Clooney in that role. Yeah. Because he's already just so likable as a person. But then you put him in as this really charismatic, kind of goofy character. And he who's self-sacrificing and he's so worried about her. How can you not want that? So yeah. I, I was with you. I was like 95%. And that 5% was just pure hope. Yeah, it was... <laughs> Maybe, maybe I was like 85%. I mean, honestly, there was some, there was a lot of it was hope, but there was something that was just like, okay, how could this possibly be? Okay, let's go through the, you know, and I was just thinking, how could the situation be right? But the part that definitely kept me higher at the 95 was she really had no 
difficult reaction recovering from the open uh, door. Yeah. Um, oh, and yeah, the, right. You know, all that, which I don't that, I don't think that would kill you, but it yeah. would certainly hurt like hell. Well, you know, the, it, in so many space movies, they stretch yeah. the reality of what would happen. She would instantly die. Right. right? Explode. Or yeah, whatever. yeah, totally. But, you know, there's so many movies where they stretch it. And so I'm thinking, okay, this is supposed to be how it really is in space. You know, they started off with the, there is no sound in space and everything. And they, they give you a little bit of science mm-hmm. right off the bat. So you're thinking, okay, this is real. This is true. But when that happened, it just kind of like, maybe in my mind, I, I immediately, it was so funny. I immediately put, I'm remembering now, I remember I immediately put the movie into the, into another context of a different sci-fi film that was a little less than true Mm -hmm. just for that moment to be able for that to be true yeah in my in my mind sockets you know what i'm saying i refiled this as a semi-real just so that he could get to live yeah or more science fiction rather Mm -hmm. than science fiction you know it was i just skewed a little bit more to the fiction side just for that moment to allow it to be true and then it wasn't i was like okay no it's back to science it, it, this is really what it is. That's awesome. Anyway, I just remember that moment. Yeah. No, that's really cool. There's films that I have like that where if it's weird and I'm trying to figure out what happened, usually depending on who the, the, the creator was, that's the first thing I'll ask myself is what kind of universe is this taking place in? Is this grounded in reality or is this supposed to be a, a sci-fi fantasy kind of situation where where you can do other humanly things. And for something like gravity, I was like, yeah, in the moment you're so emotionally engaged that none of that stuff was quite running through my head other than wait, she's okay. What's going to happen next? And then I just kind of leapfrog because like you, I just wanted him to live. I wanted him to be okay. Yeah. And I wanted to hear the end of that story. Yeah, (laughs) definitely. Oh, so how was it? overall like beyond that scene but just the uh, the experience of watching this it's a short 90 minute film yeah yeah it doesn't feel like it's a short 90 minute film well because it's just drama from the beginning pretty much you know i i mean i loved it i i loved it as much if not more than the first time i watched it uh, i mean i don't think i loved it more than the first time like just something about watching that movie the first time that just yeah. This is grand. You're, one, you're probably seeing it on a big screen. Two, it's like this grandiose, you know, like visuals and and long, drawn out, gorgeous shots. And I, I mean, I, 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 it was it was incredible. I was in it the whole time, and I was asking myself the whole time, how did they do this? How, you know, visually did they make these huge, huge things? Like, you know, you see space movies all the time where the earth is in the background or something and it doesn't feel like this feels, this feels like you're literally hovering over the entire planet earth all the time. And I want to say that the reason why that felt that way is because of the super long shots where your only frame of reference, they use the earth as the frame of reference constantly. So you know where you are, Um, usually it's on the left side of the screen. So you have, I mean, not always, you know, if you're going left, it's going to be on the right, but usually like, I felt like the framing was either straight down or kind of panned a little bit to the right so that the it's on the left, the whatever. But I felt like even wherever it was, it was taking up a gigantic amount of the, of the frame in the background. And I think that other, other sci-fi films that I've seen just they don't allow that time to exist there. The opening shot is so long. I want to say it's, I don't know, two minutes before you really even see a person. Yeah. Maybe longer, right? You know what I love about that opening shot is it it ties directly, I think, into that setup where they talk about the speed and um, they give you all the science-y stuff, uh, information. And then we just hold as the uh the space shuttle and satellite just kind of come towards us and i think it's just a simple way to quickly reveal how things actually move in space yeah so even though it feels like a long time whenever it's finally there you're like whoa wait it was way over there and now it's here yeah and you can get that sense of uh general relativity kind of kicking off like okay this is how things kind of operate out here yeah 
brilliant. It's nice. actually, and it's actually moving very quickly. Yeah. Like very fast. Because most people don't know that you're actually you're not actually weightless in space, especially in low orbit like that. You are you almost weigh just as much as you do on Earth. You're just moving so fast, you are literally falling around the Earth. You are moving forward a kilometer as you're falling a kilometer. So you're literally falling around the earth the entire time, which when I learned that blew my mind. I mean, I've known it for years, but when I first learned it, it blew my mind. I thought, what are you kidding me? That's insane. It's so hard to wrap my mind around that idea. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. You are, you are going forward as fast as you are falling. Um, any faster and you go off into space any slower and you fall towards earth. So it has to be the exact speed. So it's like, there's so much science that goes into it actually going, getting into orbit and staying there so that when you see also, when you see all the debris coming around and it goes around the earth in 90 minutes, 90 minutes, it goes around the earth. Uh, but that was, that was such a, I love this movie for so many reasons. We never see anyone on earth. The only, really the only two and a half faces that we see, uh, you know, are the, the astronauts, the two, the only two faces we really see are the, the two actors in the film. I love that they show his half blown off yes. face, man. That's yeah. so brutal because otherwise you might get sucked into the kind of Disney-esque uh, beauty and, and grandeur of the film. And it's mm-hmm. so majestic, even in the violence that to show the close up, like the reality of what space and an impact like that will do to you suddenly kind of reignites the fear you have for the characters. Yeah. That's absolutely massive. And, and just the, the, the violence of any kind of movement, right? So if you move a little bit in one direction to stop is violent to go the, to get pulled the other way is even more violent. So when he's pulling her on the tether, like those physics. Yeah. And, and you, she gets so frustrated too. She's like, Oh, Oh God. You know, let's out a yell. Yeah. She gets, she gets like really frustrated that it happens like three times in a row or four times in a row. Um, and it's so real. And then the, the long shot of her flip, like, flipping out into space mm-hmm. where the camera's allowing her to flip and then the camera slowly starts flipping with her and then the camera goes inside the helmet. So you feel the rotation and then comes outside the helmet again. And in that moment, I also <sighs> love that not only do you get the sense of what she's experiencing, but they often uh, kind of use her line of sight as a way to say where she's trying to look and the way she's trying to weight herself. Because as you know, she's kind of starts to get her balance or whatever. Like she's trying to set a horizon line on the earth and she just can't quite maintain it. And you know, she keeps flipping around. Yeah. Freaking cool. It's, it's amazing. And, and you know, you hear uh, Kowalski saying, give me a friend, tell me where you are. What do you see? What do you see? And you're thinking, there's literally only one thing that you could, you could see I'm above the earth. (laughs) What, what am I supposed to tell you? And, and yet there's some way she finds some way to survive. And, and so it's this, it's this survival story, you know, which, you know, uh, there's a lot of layers of that and we can get into that. Yeah, no, but this is totally, you know, on the surface, at least a, um, man versus nature situation, mm-hmm. which is always comes down to survival. Yeah. Because yeah. I hate to break it to you, but mother earth is undefeated. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Good point. <laughs> it, it's, it's kind of man versus situation because it's really, I guess maybe it's nature, but like, you know, the, the issue that happened was the debris, mm-hmm. which wasn't really nature. It's everything's because of the debris, right? Yeah. Cause they, I mean, been, you can put yourself in a, a man versus nature situation, like yeah. pl- crashing a plane into the wilderness. Like you don't blame the plane, but from here on out, it's you versus nature. Yeah. I guess that's true. Yeah. But yeah, I, I'll get into it in a second because yeah, I know. It, it goes, I know. We're gonna, that's a rabbit hole. Let's, let's talk about cinematography. <laughs> yeah. Oh, first, like we've, this is one of those things we touch on here now and again, but I really love the motivated camera moves in a movie like this because you know, he's not just kind of picking it up and saying, Hey, we need to get this coverage. So let's kind of get our basics. He's shot planning everything through previs here. I'm sure. And What's I probably that? read this a long time ago, but I'm pretty sure he did 
every single shot of this movie through what's called pre-visualization. And it's basically where you take a program, uh, like a 3D program, uh, that you would make, I don't know, a variety of things with, but in our case, we might use like Cinema 4D um, or Maya. There's a ton of these programs, but you use these programs to create, to kind of recreate like a room. And then in that room, you can set your characters and the furniture. And it's kind of this, you know, blocky pixelated thing that just kind of gives you an idea of here's what I want my camera to do. And you can actually insert a camera and a jib or a dolly move and the type of lens you want. And you can kind of recreate, here's what this shot is going to look like. And here's what we need to accomplish this thing that's in my head. So it's a way to, you know, run through a film shoot without ever actually leaving your computer, which is super useful on a film with a lot of money and a lot of people every day that's looking around waiting to say, well, what do you want now, boss? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so I feel pretty confident he did every single shot before ever, you know, saying go. So whenever you have a movie like this, it pays so many dividends to say, why did he do this camera move the way he did? And on a simple level, that's about all I really have time for without like getting into a PowerPoint visual aid thing. <laughs> but going back to just the general idea of a motivated camera move, he uses the camera movement. Well, he uses movement coming into frame to target and reframe or move the camera. So like at one point, uh, Kowalski is swipes from right to left. Like we're, we're watching her, we're watching Ryan and then Kowalski kind of comes into frame and then we just f- start following him as he makes his way in front of the, the camera. Mm-hmm. Now we just kind of try start following him. And the nice thing about that is it's so seamless because when a subject in the frame feels static, then it doesn't feel like the camera is moving, which really helps hide the production. And that's your goal if you're trying to suspend disbelief because the less people think, oh, why did, why are we herky jerky or why are we looking over here now? The more people are invested in the story and what's actually happening on screen, the more they're looking at what it is that you want them to be looking at for the right reasons. And so it's just a really simple thing and they do it constantly. There's only a few times that I notice that they whip the camera around to catch something else. And I think even that really works because if you, if you're doing it right, you get this thirst as a viewer to say, I want to see what's happening over here. And it's like the camera just obliges you. It just kind of suddenly looks over and it's like, oh, crap, it's coming. Because maybe you see someone's eyes light up and you're like, well, what are they looking at? And then the camera sweeps over to show you what they're looking at. That's a very simple use of camera movement that's motivated by something that's on screen, even though there's nothing that it's actually tracking in that process. Yeah, It's simple, but super effective because it's creating a desire in you that it's fulfilling. I also love the, uh, sometimes she, Ryan, drifts away from the camera or comes back. And that's just representing how things are currently going for her. <laughs> because if she's drifting away, then suddenly she's dying. But if she's coming back towards the camera, then she's coming back to us. She's coming back to life. And so, so often, and that's kind of the, gets a little bit into the Hitchcock rule of the larger something is in frame, the more important it is. And in this case, the larger she is in frame, uh, the closer she is to survival and certain, depending on, you know, situation to situation. Yeah. Just touching on visual effects for a second. I, just a second. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. We could do a whole podcast <laughs> yeah, just that. Basically. <laughs> like the use of audio, first of all, mm-hmm. is so, so massive. And you can probably speak to this really, really well. But they, they established really early on, she makes this comment uh, whenever her and Kowalski are talking. He asks her, you know, what do you like about being up here? And she's like, I love the silence. And that is kind of a reminder that in space, you can't hear anything. Yeah. <laughs> Sound waves do not move through space unless they originate out of space. <laughs> right. Um, but you can't create sound waves in space, right? Yeah. And so we're re- being reinforced once again that there's science involved, which is really cool because then they make use of music. Music becomes this like orchestration of what you're seeing. And the characters can't ever hear what's happening. So they're either going to rely on uh, light kind of shifting shadows or they're going to have to physically turn, which is usually what they have to do. It's like, I don't know what's happening behind me. Let me look over here. Oh my God, death is imminent. Yeah. <laughs> and they use sound to, and the absolute chaos of all the colliding and the debris impacting, killing people. 
And it's just, it combines to create this like beautiful ballet of destruction. And it's just, it feels like Fantasia, mm-hmm. but you know, live action yeah. and it's terrifying and it's beautiful all at the same time, which I think is a pretty good summary of mother nature in general. Yeah. Like good point. the ocean is, it's overwhelming and it's, you know, capacity and it's infinite, infinite feeling, you know, tension that it can give off, but it's also this sense of peace. And yeah. And I think they just captured mother nature so well, even though they're using all these man-made objects to create it. Mm-hmm. Like that's incredible. That That's the only way we feel gravity in this film is through what man initiates gravity is going to sustain. Yeah. And that's a really, really cool visual. I don't know. Piece mm-hmm. as far as visual effects go. I watched just a few behind the scenes and if I can find them online, then I'll post them. But there was just so many cool things happening that I got too curious and I was like, I gotta, I gotta be able to say something to this stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I was, first of all, I was really surprised by how little of the space station there, there actually was. Like they just kind of built up, you know, fragments of it and then wireframed her. So she was hanging from, you know, cables as she's kind of pushing off of stuff. And sometimes she's not actually pushing off of anything. It's just air. She's grabbing air. And then later in, later on, they're kind of CGing, uh, some of the space shuttle in or the Soyuz in so that, Oh, she pushed through that. No, she didn't. There was actually just a long empty space with reference markers and then like a door frame. And when she gets the door frame, that's a real thing that she can interact with, Hmm. but it's so that's a lot of discipline as an actor and as a director to communicate with what it is that you want. And then an important part of the whole experience, they go into this uh, detail about the visor itself became just super important. As like you said, that's this is a frame of reference to where they are. And this is one of those nightmare things about making a space movie is how do you deal with the reflections? How do you deal with uh, the helmet itself? If you're going to film inside of it, how do you design for that? And so they spent a lot of time thinking of how they want to do the visor and they ended up just CGing the entire thing. Like the entire visor CG, it created a lot of issues because what's funny is they coordinated certain things. So in the visor, okay, great. Now you have space reflecting. That's not super complicated. It's not easy, but you can build models and you can work through that. Okay, but then they also said that they wanted to layer in like dust and fingerprints because you got to handle that stuff. Okay, well, light and reflections react differently based on if it's dust or if it's a fingerprint or a combination. And so it became this really difficult dance around the physics of it and light and geometry. And then if that wasn't enough, she's breathing inside the helmet. Mm -hmm. And now you have all this fog that's hitting the helmet. And Okay, fine. Visually, that's a really hard thing to, you know, tackle and solve for. Granted, the thing that really impressed me was that they coordinated what her breathing was going to be like. So based on the moment, her breathing kind of communicates to us how she's feeling. Yeah. Like, is she stressed out? Um, Is she cold? Is she cold? Is she calm? Is, you know, there's so much emotional things that happen out of our breath that is communicated to us, even in just day to day life, let alone in a high pressure situation where you can literally see the impact of her breath. Mm -hmm. So it became really important that they discuss her breathing throughout the film and to coordinate that. Wow. That's damn cool. That's really cool. (laughs) I love that. Did you see anything about how they did the whole shot of going inside the helmet? And yeah, obviously there wasn't just, uh, which by the way, I I had no idea that the visor was CG. That's amazing work. That's, that's almost more impressive, honestly, than the, than the earth. Yeah. Right. Seriously. I I can build a pretty similar earth, honestly, in after. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now they have just a level of detail that I can't do, but, um, I can build a pretty convincing earth. Uh, Whereas I could never do that visor shot. Yeah. And what's funny is he was like the, the VFX guy was like, man, that was like a super easy shot for us because you know, it's all us anyway. Like, but, but the, how do you get inside? Like you're next to her face, but there's still the side of the helmet right there. Like, how do you get, what camera were they shooting with? It wasn't a freaking GoPro. You know what I mean? Like, how do you get it? They, well, they just rebuilt that entire helmet with the NCG. And so now everything oh, you're looking at, I get it. There is for one, there's an astonishing amount of CG in this film that doesn't feel like CG. And then two, uh, there's, an astonishing number of cuts that are just hidden. 
Mm-hmm. Like you can already see, there's a lot of cuts. It feels like kind of this one take, uh, revenant kind of film, but it's not like there's a ton of cuts. Some are, most of them are obvious. Well, a lot of them are obvious, but there are so many hidden, uh, cuts and blending takes together. Uh, that's super clever, which yes, we can get into now because the okay. other behind the scenes thing that I saw was the, uh, the fire sequence. Yeah. Which oh, yeah. is freaking incredible. They obviously do a lot of homework and research and figuring out how to represent fire in space, which, uh, there's just, for some reason, NASA doesn't want to play with fire in space. So Imagine that. we don't have a lot of, uh, looks at it. And so fine. That's really, really cool. What I was really blown away with. So that moment for one, when she bangs her head and she goes, goes out for, you know, five or six okay. seconds, like that's a really cool moment because you just kind of respect that you get knocked out. Time becomes very relative. Yeah. And then she comes to and you're like, okay, great. Now just remember, you know, yeah, where you are. Yeah. What's going on right now. Yeah. But what I love about that section right there is because of the dynamic nature of her movements, they had to shoot it two different times using two different suspension systems. So in one, she's hanging by her back. Just imagine all the loops are on her back and she's hanging with her chest pointed to the floor. And then she's going through the thing and then she bumps her head and she like floats off, so to speak. She's kind of pantomiming the float because gravity right now is still pulling her towards the earth, towards her, her chest. But in the film, she ends up kind of on her back and floating up and they film that section again. But this time they film it inverted where uh, her chest is holding all the cables. And so now she's upside down and she goes through that same thing again. And they blend it in post because, and you know, all you need to do is just kind of rotoscope her out. And now the positioning is the exact same. You're just inverting it, you know, flip the sequence. Oh my God. And that's so cool to me because that, that effect is so well executed that I'm like, how did they do that right now? Because I don't understand. I mean, you never would have thought that they did that. No, Christopher Nolan would have built like an entire rig uh-huh. to to manage that. And Quaron's like, you know, I have another method that's just as effective. Wow. God, that's cool. <laughs> that's super impressive. Okay. Okay. Cause I'm a, you know, I'm a, we both are, but I'm a super Nolan fan yeah. and I, I love the whole aspect of like, you know, build the big set, yeah. like really make it. But this is an interesting it's that it's really interesting to me, like to to have another way to do it that works just as well, yeah. right? You know, say what you will. Maybe it was cheaper. Maybe it wasn't. I don't know which way would be cheaper or which way would be more effective or whatever. You can make argue till the cows come home, I guess. But but just knowing, like, there's more than one way to make something effective and good. You don't have to build this whole massive thing or you don't have to do it in CG and you could build it. like that's that's refreshing. It really is. I mean, reminds me of that link that uh, Scott sent where the guys are like, hey, here's a slow motion video, but they didn't have a slow motion camera. Oh, like, yeah, right. Those yeah. are those can be pretty expensive to be able to shoot, you know, in 10,000 frames a second. Yeah. And so all they did was, hey, we're going to take this whatever GoPro or whatever camera and we're going to make it look like it's in slow motion by just having people move slower in frame and it's going to be so well coordinated and we're going to push the camera through it to create these crazy angles and loops that looks like you broke broke out a techno crane and it's like no it just took a little ingenuity and clever thinking like there's another way to do it yeah and i always have a lot of respect for anybody who says not only is what is the other way, but how does it fit in the production uh, schedule and build out that we have? Yeah. Cause that can be really halting to your film to say, okay, now we, we need to build this million dollar set in order to get, you know, three shots. Yeah. And, and just to, just to hit on this one little thing, which has kind of a, been a big thing that I've discovered in the last year, I think, uh, at the job I'm at is that nine times out of 10, nobody really knows the best way, right? Or how, or even how to do something, right? So if you have an idea or a vision, just think of, just try, you know, try to be creative and think of a way that you would do it and then do that. Because like, if you, if you sit there and you say, well, I can't do that because I, 
I need a dolly for that, or I need to do it this way or something like that, just because that's the way that most people would do it, then you're just hurting yourself. But most people don't really know. Most people don't know most things. Yeah. You know, I, I have, I think we all do, but I have a massive inferior inferiority complex, like massive. Everything I do, I think is, is, is crap. Everything I, is idea I suggest in a meeting, I think is every time I open my mouth, I think something stupid's going to come out. Yeah. I'm about to get embarrassed right now. But the, but when I do, and I just say F it, I'm just going to say what I think a lot of times, especially lately, everyone's like, well, why didn't we do it that way before? You know, they just either hadn't thought of it or they thought of it and nobody said it or somebody said it, but, but never took action on it. Like, like if you have an idea to do something to, you know, to make something that you didn't think that most people didn't think that you could on a shoestring budget or a zero budget, or because you don't have the right equipment or something, just do it. Like in some way, like think of some way where, uh, it's, yes, it's not the, it's not like having a, a high speed camera. But, you know, if you want to do something and add a little bit of just that much more production value, then do it that way where you have everybody stop at a moment, you know, and you bring the camera around them and then they start moving again and you coordinate that like that's freaking brilliant. You know, I, I'm on a soapbox right now because I've, it's I've, I've in the week I've had has been a very rewarding week for my it's been difficult, but it's been a rewarding week in that regard because I've just like really put my ideas out there and my thought, my thought process out there. And it's been totally accepted by people I work with. Surprisingly, <laughs> you know, it's, it's stuff that's obvious to me, but it wasn't to them. And if I hadn't like said something, then we'd still would have been doing this stupid thing. That's anyway. awesome. It also speaks to the kind of environment they've created. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's true. That's true. And so, yeah. So, and that's another thing as a filmmaker or director or producer or whatever, create an environment where people can actually feel like they can make suggestions because in, at the end of the day, you're trying to make the best thing best idea wins in my band. That's how it always was. Best idea wins. Now it doesn't mean you're not going to have arguments of what the best idea is, but at least you're arguing between two great ideas. Absolutely. And the nice thing about the film world is that usually the buck stops with the director. And so as long as you have, you feel the confidence that you're allowed to have an idea and the director is objective enough to listen to it, take it into account and figure out, does this work better than what I've, what we've already established, then that's all you really need Mm -hmm. because now it's not really on you anymore. You gave a great idea and if it works great, we're going to do that. And if it doesn't, that's fine too. At least, uh, you've thrown out an idea that, you know, can maybe generate some other ideas later on Mm -hmm. or just foster the creative atmosphere that you want. Cause that's gotta be a safe space, man. Nothing hurts more than being mocked for creating something. Yeah. And even, and, and aside from a great idea, if a great idea is trying to be executed and yet it could be a little better or maybe something is over being overlooked and you notice, but you're the grip. Yeah. Like it's kind of, you got to kind of have some ball, have the balls to be able to say, well, that's wait continuity here, you know, or, you know, she, she was wearing this or she was looking this way or her, you know, her hair was like that, whatever, you know, um, or I, you know, it looks beautiful, but what if we added a, a key light here or something? Like, I think that that would, you know, uh, you know what I'm saying? Yep. Like, like having the, having the, the wherewithal to say, I know what you're trying to execute this, doing this little thing is going to make that, that much better. That's you know? awesome. Yeah. And I have to think that in a movie like this, it's so big and where you're filming over months and you're filming to green screens, 90 percent of the time if yeah not all the time you know when you're just trying to work off of one other person if that other person is there sometimes there's no one else and you're like literally talking to yourself in front of a green screen half the time that there had to be this open communication of that style of 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 working with Alfonso I mean I would I couldn't imagine him making this film without it being that way yeah but I also imagine that you better know your stuff because yeah, I mean, that guy good point, good point. is a master of his craft. Yeah. Um, I mean, 
but yeah, hopefully it, it's still the the kind of thing where you can have a conversation, even if only over lunch or uh, mm-hmm. between takes or setups. It's like, yeah, what about this? Or you know, so I I, I would imagine he has that kind of relationship with his with his yeah. crew. Hopefully, um, you never know, I guess. But so diving into like theme, story, yeah, symbolism. So this is going to be super obvious. If it, if it's not already obvious, once you say it out loud, it becomes really, really obvious. So really this is a movie about grief. Um, this is, you know, her dealing with loss of her child and just, I don't know. Depression even feels like it's putting it lightly. Like she's trying to rejoin humanity. That's the real symbolism that's happening. The earth is humanity itself and she is disconnected. And if you were to just, you know, imagine that none of that was even real, like space itself. She was never actually in space. Uh, she was on Earth. That's what it felt like to her. Yeah. Yeah. So is is the title gravity, is the meaning behind the title the weight of life? Or I would imagine, yeah, that there's there's some parallel between the idea of the weight of loss and sorrow and heartbreak it's a because there's a lack of gravity in space. There's a lack of gravity, but at the same time, you still can't escape the gravity of yeah. she, it's still earth of is life. still trying to pull her back. Yeah. And she says so many great things. Um, for one, you know, uh, she kind of keeps trying to quit and I don't mean even kind of like she really she just really keeps, just wants to quit. Yeah. yeah. I mean, she tells him point blank as he's towing her back She's like, I'm just slowing you down. I'm not going to make it. You know, she's trying to convince him, just just let me die. Just let me go. And he says something really great to her as he rescues her the first time, right? He goes, he way out there, picks her up. And then he starts talking to NASA and she's like, NASA can't hear you. And what does he tell her? He said, if somebody is listening, they just might save you. You got to keep talking. Mm-hmm. He's communicating to her how to get through grief, yeah. how to get through loss. That's so important. And he's also trying to teach her, you have to learn to let go. That's one of his lines. You're going to have to learn to let go. And that's when he's trying to get her to let go of him. And because, you know, he's trying to tell her, you have to let me go or we both die. And that's, and can I, can I also like hearken back to your, your reference of why George Clooney is the perfect, the perfect uh, actor for this role. Okay. She lost a child. If you try to put yourself in a situation like that, if you you just even try to imagine, and if you don't have a child, maybe you have a dog, right? And let me just go and say, they are absolutely not the same. I don't give a shit how much you love your dog. It, your dog is, does not matter for shit when you have a child, right? Yeah. Or, or imagine you losing your father or your mother, yeah. right? And someone comes up and someone that, that you know, maybe a coworker or maybe a friend or whatever, tries to tell you how to get over it. My in- initial reaction would be, fuck <laughs> off, man. Like, like I don't want to hear anything from you. You have no idea what I'm going through. You, you tell me to pick up my bootstraps and, and move on. Absolute, like the last thing I want to hear is for someone else to tell me how to get over my grief, right? But it's George Clooney and he just saved her. And then when he's really telling her how to get over it, but not really telling her when, you know, that the whole fake scene, he's, he's given his life for her. So now it's okay for her to listen to him and take his advice, right? And I mean, I'm trying to think of any other actor really like that. I mean, maybe, no, it, it would have to be kind of an older guy, but some guy that you just like, you love him, you know? Yeah. And I, I don't know, maybe there's a few others, but he was just really a perfect role, you know, actor for this role in, in, in that regard. Cause you kind of like want to listen to him. You want to hear his advice. That's awesome though. It, yeah. it totally makes a difference who you're hearing that line from. Right. And for her and for us, like George Clooney saying it. But you have, and you have no idea what he's, what this character has been through, what he's been through in his life, you know, and he doesn't share anything. Yeah. It's so funny. Like even the story, like there's a story, right. That never gets told. 
he said he's going to tell her what what was it a great story about a party or something it, yeah new orleans mardi new gras orleans, mardi gras he said i'll tell you someday or sometime or whatever but he never tells her yeah. so we don't know any history behind him at all we have no frame of reference of what he's been through um and really neither does she mm-hmm. and yet maybe because of that we're we allow ourselves to to say okay i'm going to listen to this I'm going to listen to Kowalski. Kowalski knows what he's talking about. He has this kind of father-esque yeah. kind of feeling behind him. He totally does. And everyone seems to love him. I mean, I also, you know, love that they used Ed Harris as a mission control. I know. Yeah, I noticed. Yeah, that's great. It Apollo perfect, 13. Apollo 13, yes. God. I mean. There's nobody else. <laughs> there is nobody else that's Houston. He is Houston. It's perfect. That's so awesome. Yeah. But they, I love that they continue to kind of symbolize the journey, you know, visually uh, throughout the film. And so, like, even after she finally lets him go, uh, well, technically, he lets her go. Right. And she gets inside the Soyuz and she, you know, strips and floats and she kind of curls into this fetal position. And you even have this uh, umbilical cord that's kind of floating around. And it's just, it's it's a beautiful because, for one, it's like a rebirth. It's uh, her having experienced something so traumatic, someone just died for her. And it's also, and she nearly died. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big one too. (laughs) She nearly died. And I think it's also kind of reminiscing of her daughter, like her daughter, you know, she felt connected, I guess, again with her daughter, Mm. a little closer to her. And now she's kind of at this point, she starts reaching back out to uh, Kowalski and talking. And now she's finally kind of doing what he asked her to do is like uh, talk. And now she's like, well, you wanted me to talk. I'm talking like yeah. say something. And also love that she starts gazing at the earth and she's now trying to talk to NASA. She's dark and she's trying to talk to NASA. And as she's looking at the earth, I just get this feeling and it's totally, you know, emotional projection on my part, but it's almost like, is she deciding to go home now? She's still debating or she's deciding to go. Mm-hmm. And at that point she still hasn't f- fully committed yet. And I love that she gets into the Soyuz or maybe it's uh, the, the, the ISS. Yeah. Where she finally gets someone and it's this Chinese guy who doesn't speak her language. Oh yeah. I Come love on. that. I love that. You know, when you're dealing with something, you may reach out to someone who doesn't quite speak your language. Yeah. But there's still these basic animalistic things in us that can connect and they start howling together. And it just makes you think of a pack howling together, you know, and they're reaching out. How how about her performance in that? Because that was a really long shot, too. A really long shot. And she goes through so many emotions. She goes through, through, you know, excitement fear to excitement that she finds this guy to sadness that he realizing he will never understand her. And she, he's the only one she'll ever get in touch with. And then acceptance and like it's all the in one shot. Yeah. It's all in one shot. She's you know? going through these stages of grief. Of yeah. Like hope dashed. And well, yeah. now I don't know if it's all in one shot, maybe right. in there somewhere <laughs> who the hell knows, but yeah, no, it seems that way. It really sure. does. It's beautiful. Yeah. And of course, that scene that we opened up with, what I love about that is whenever she decides she wakes up, you realize if you're if you're kind of paying attention. Wait, which scene? The scene that we opened the show with where she and uh, uh, Kowalski are talking. Ryan and Kowalski are talking and Kowalski's like, hey, if you want to give up, you can give up. All we got to do is shut down these systems. Oh, that we opened this show with. Okay, yeah. gotcha. Sorry. All we got to do is shut down the systems. Just quietly go. We can drift off. I get it. It's nice up here. (laughs) It's like, no, it's not go home. And then when she comes to, and she starts turning, turning everything on, you have to realize she was the one turning everything off. She was giving up. Yeah. Kowalski was never there. He was never turning. He was never doing anything. She was literally committing suicide in that moment. Yeah. Until just the memory of him. Yeah. Gave her, I don't know. The, she heard him. She heard what he would have said had he been there. And how cool is that to argue with people in your head? Yeah. And they almost get credit for your ideas, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. Because <laughs> that was her idea. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> well, you know, uh, he he did give his life for her. Yeah. And she knows that. And as she's giving up, 
you know, remembering, oh, he died for me. What am I going to do? I'm just going to like, uh, you know, for I'm, nothing. Yeah. For nothing. He he's, there was probably some aspect of, of man, I can't give up. Like he just died for me kind of thing. But yeah, I don't know. And so she commits, you know, she plunges to the earth and I love that all the audio changes and suddenly we're, everything's teeming with life. We're underwater yeah. and there's frogs and fish and, uh, the ambient noise. And now of course there's the struggle. Now she can still drift off if she wants to, but she has to fight if you want to live. And she does and she gets out. And I love that. I mean, there's some beautiful, beautiful shots throughout the film. Like even as she's crashing, you have those meteoric looks of all the satellite wreckage that's plunging to earth. And it's all this brilliant fire color against the blue sky and the black uh, space. Everything's kind of colliding all at once. But whenever she gets up at earth, they frame it like it's an alien planet. Like she just landed on, you know, don't they? The Kepler system or something like it just is incredible. And to her, I think it is alien. She's having to discover her humanity and humanity again, connect again. And I love how they demonstrate it through just the way she has to kind of learn to walk again, which for one, it works because you come in from space. Walking is going to be a bit of a challenge for a minute. But more symbolically, she has to, she's rebirthed and she's learning again to take a first step and to walk towards life. Yeah. And that's where we end, is her walking towards life. So it's funny. I I rewatched this with my wife and she's like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, I'll watch it. She can't watch the end. Really? She, she can't. She it's so. She said this. I. It's so stressful. I can't handle it. I can't. At which watch point it. would you say? Uh, after the the pod lands on the water, because because after everything she went through, she's st- even though she's on Earth, she's here. She still has to fight, and she still almost dies. One because of the fire, you know, getting the door open. Two because of, and you know her landing in time before the whole thing just caught flame. Uh, two when she opens the door and the water rushes in, she can't get out. Three when she finally gets out, she can't swim because of the heavy suit. Four getting out of the suit and swimming up feels like forever. Also, you see the the parachute up there, and you're thinking, oh, swim around the parachute, don't swim underneath it like all of those things were like super stressful for her. So she couldn't watch the end. I think I watched it another time. This is the second time I've watched it at, at home and both times she couldn't watch the end. So, um, but that, that also kind of like for me at least reinforced the, the struggle of the entire movie, which is death is the end is so close all the time, constantly. But what do you do? You, you fight through that thing that's in front of you to get to the next thing. And you fight through that and get to the next thing. So, and life essentially, I mean, you know, this is not a glass half empty kind of statement. It's really meant for a glass half full kind of statement, but life is a series of struggles to survive. I mean, constantly, you know, even if that means waking up to go to a job every day that to, to make money, to put food on the table, um, even, even that, you know, could is a is struggle to survive right but it's a series of those things so you get through that and then there's another thing that happens you got to get through that and you got to get through that and then finally you make it to shore and then you got to learn to walk again and then you got to stand up and then you got to walk into the nothingness where there is you know what she does and there's no people and she's just walk she takes like two or three steps and then we cut because then her life really begins right and I think just in the, those last like two minutes when all of that happens, it just completely reinforces everything you saw, you know, the hour and 20 minutes before that you kind of knew was happening and you kind of felt, but it wasn't really cemented until the end where there were four things she had to just immediately, you know, like get there's no over. time to think. There's no, yeah, there's no time. Exactly. There's no time for her to think. It's just survive, 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 survive. And, and then, and she does. And then I just want to say this, the camera movement at the end is like the most rewarding ending to a movie, like, like cinem- cinematically, like cinematographically, <laughs> that's a word, uh, for me that I've like almost that I've probably ever experienced, but cause you know, she, she gets to the shore, 
she's laying there, right? She, you know, is gripping the, the, the mud and, and you, you feel it. You're like, oh, I can't, you know, I, I can breathe. And then she starts to stand up and the camera starts going up with her and she slips and falls and the camera comes back down to her, right? And it just sits there and she laughs and then she stands up, but the camera stays. It makes you think it, while she, while she stands up. So then you just see her feet and then Damn. the camera and then, yeah. And it splashes on the, on the camera too, but then the camera pans up to her. So the, the initial camera movement was going to move up with her as she stood. And I'm, I don't know that it was, I don't know if it was planned, you know, or if it just kind of happened and she was, that was her acting. Right. No. So yeah, you use that low angle. I mean, it's perfect because for one, you get to see her take that step. Yes. But then more importantly, like you just said, you get to tilt up and look up at her, which is a very powerful frame. Whenever you're looking up at someone, now they're dominant. Yeah. She, she's way above the horizon line, which is usually used as a metaphor Mm -hmm. for where someone is in relation to uh, the world around them. Mm -hmm. And now she's no longer under it. She's She's above it. She's above it. So do you think that the, I guess my question is, was that intentional? Super, super intentional. I would, I would place all of that right in line with, he previs that I would really stake everything on it. Yeah. Okay. Then, then the DP was just. He was perfect with it yeah. because I totally felt like, like, <laughs> like, okay, we're going to go up with her. No, no. Oh, she slipped. Okay. Stay now. Stay now. We're going to get, you know, like, because they, like you said, yeah. they, they stay and you get to watch her take that step. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, it's, it's so well acted and the camera moves, like you just said, are just flawless mm. to the point to where you're just, is she, you know, going to be okay? Like how is she going to adjust? And it's that emotional uncertainty and, I don't know. Hope that really just oh god is so good, and then it just cuts. <laughs> yeah. Like she takes like one or two steps, and that's it. And that's end gravity just so good. Oh yeah, it's just a, such a good ending that that it's so stressful and yet triumphant. And um, yeah, blew my mind. Absolutely. Yeah. No, same here. I uh, I don't know what I would give it. I'd probably give it. Oh, that's tough. I mean, I saw it two or three times in theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely saw it first in IMAX, and that was just unbelievable. But it was still unbelievable in my regular screens. But uh, I mean, I, I'm waffling between like an eight and a nine. Um, really? Yeah. I mean, okay. I would say. Well, obviously, it's not going to be a strong anything. I've already waffled, but uh, <laughs> I'd be I'd be good with like yeah. an eight and a half. Okay. Just because there's certain CG elements that I'm like, that's a little too CG, yeah. uh, specifically with the humans. Yeah. Um, those, they, they have a little bit of a, I don't know, Gumby effect at certain points. It's mm-hmm. like, ah, it's totally. not perfect. And that kind of pulls me out a little bit. Totally. But the emotional journey and all the effects are just incredible. So I, I, I want to give it a nine and a half, but I'm going to give it a nine because of that. Mm. Now the, the, the main re- main reason that high is just because of its rewatchability. I could watch this 10 times and s- find something else to see, yeah. just like love the experience the whole time. And, and the acting is amazing. Sandy is holy shit, man. Yeah. This is one of my favorite roles for her. Like, I don't know what I would pick above her. And I, I hope she got nominated. I, it, I just, hope that this wasn't the same year blindside came out and she won for that because mm. that would oh, piss man. me I don't off. think so. God dang it, man. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know, but yeah, her performance is absolutely incredible. And Clooney's is, he was, he played himself essentially, you yeah. know, like, you know, whatever, say what you will. And that, that was great. But her, she, it, it, yeah, she was nominated, but not, she didn't win. Okay. Well, at least she was nominated yeah. and she, and she earned every bit of it. She was amazing in this film. So yeah, I would give it a, a strong, strong nine. And if I'm, you know, allowing myself the suspension of disbelief, nine and a half. Yeah. With that, those CG elements. Super deserved. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all that said, what are you going to recommend this week? Ooh, I'm going to recommend another Clooney film. One of my favorite Clooney films. Of all time, oh brother, where out there? Where oh, nice. art thou? <laughs> I can't even say it. Oh brother, where art thou? He he's just he's wonderful in this 
in this movie. You just love him. You, the whole story is, is awesome. It's Coen brothers. So you, you can't go wrong yeah. with Coen brothers. Um, and there's a, there's a lot of like subtlety in it too. There's a lot of like meaning in there as totally. well. It's, it's, it's another movie that you could watch a bunch of times and be thoroughly entertained every single time, but find something a little bit, you know, a little bit deeper, a little bit new yeah. each time, you know? Yeah. That's awesome. What about you? I'm going to recommend a period piece fantasy movie called the fall. Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah, man. This wow. is, I mean, it's certainly one of my favorite films. It's honestly, I, I would have to call it the most beautiful film I've ever seen. I totally agree. I mean, they shot it in almost 40 different countries or 36, 26, something like they shot it in almost 40 countries. I want to say just using specific locations for a specific shot or a specific scene. Like they really went out of their way to create uh, a beautiful film and it hits and the story is really, really good too. But I would say fine. Watch it for the story. It's good, but watch it also mainly for the beauty. Cool. It's just gorgeous. Awesome. And we'll, put trailers for both of those in the show notes but stay tuned for next week we're going to be doing the lighthearted comedy black swan <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah and treat it as such when you watch yeah. it <laughs> yeah looking forward to that same no. uh they shot that on super 16 millimeter Ooh. which uh, a similar camera to what i have yeah which is super really? 16 wow yeah pretty cool crazy so that's one of the main reasons i like this film a lot but also I'm gonna, love I'm, I'm gonna, yeah i'm gonna watch it again with that in mind nice. awesome interesting and don't forget to subscribe review us on itunes uh leave us a note if there's something you'd like us to cover or talk about or things you find interesting uh let us know a big shout out to izzy he he sent us yeah, just man. the best email earlier in, yeah like, appreciate it buddy walking on air also want to give a shout out to uh, joseph he was active on facebook a couple weeks ago he was saying that his favorite episode is interstellar that we've done um, nice. which is why I waited to this episode to give him a shout out. And why are we still doing episode 80? What, did we say 80 or uh, 75 or what was it? Yeah, oh, 75 or 80 or maybe a hundred there. Yeah. We're going to do a follow up. We're going to do another interstellar episode at some point because okay. there's so much more that we haven't covered in that film. And it's our it's favorite. Our favorite. Yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> if you want to comment on this episode specifically, you can do that at the pestle slash gravity. Uh, and we're going to leave you with a quote of the day. This one is from William Shakespeare from Macbeth. Interesting. All right. Give sorrow words. The grief that does not speak knits up the overwrought heart and bids it break. <laughs> I don't know if you can talk, say it better said, than the bars. Yeah. I mean, like, like talk about your shit. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's going to crush you. Yeah. Yeah. Don't keep it up inside. Yeah, man. Absolutely. I, I, that's, Oh man. So my wife is a, has a doctorate in medieval studies, medieval literature. And so Shakespeare is, she's, you know, I, I kind of wish she was in this. Maybe we should do Hamlet one time and she Ugh. could be on with us and just talk about oh, it. She would be dropping bombs. Oh man. She would like learn us for yeah. sure. Um, but we could teach her about the film yeah. aspect, but just the, uh, like, like Shakespeare, you know, there's a lot of debate. Did he write everything or, you know, was it one person? Was it a bunch of people, you know, like, and all this stuff. But I just like, I like the idea of thinking this was one guy, yeah. right. Who just wrote all this stuff and like pretty much everything he wrote was just amazing. I mean, like that line, when I write songs, right, you're not saying anything that nobody else has said. It has nothing to do with what you're saying and everything to do with how you say it which is totally this line give sorrow words. The grief that does not speak knits up the overwrought heart and bids it break. Talk about your shit or it will break you. It'll right? leave you suspended alone, drifting yeah. away from everybody and everything that you once loved to tie it into, into the film. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, as, as two people who have been to therapy, mm -hmm. I, I couldn't agree more. And I think it's just such, so beautifully said in this regard. And it's a great, great choice, man. Thanks man. for this. Yeah. How'd you, what'd you, what'd I you went back it? and forth a while. I was like, who don't want to hear from? I, 
had an Einstein quote that was like maybe too on the nose for this movie. Oh yeah, um, that was just talk. It literally tied in grief and gravity into like the same sentence, and I was like, oh, now I want to know what it is. I forgot. I'll put it in the show notes for you. Okay, but I was like, uh, but it also tied in like religion and God, and I was like, I'm not trying to get there. Even though the film touches on it, like she has this comment where she's like, you know, isn't no one's going to mourn me? No one's going to pray over me. I don't even know how to pray over me. Yeah. No one ever taught me. Yeah. Like, so there's an element of God and, you know, among this and that's okay. But I thought that there's still a, a bigger focus on the human element uh, that the film was trying to touch on. And yeah. there's a gravity between people and between life itself. Yeah. Um, even whenever you feel disconnected, there's still a lifeline out there. And so I don't know what crawled up, you know, my mind that said, you know, check in on Shakespeare and see what he's got to say about grief. And cool. this one popped up and I was like, yes, it's perfect. Yeah. It's, it's beautiful and perfect. Gosh. As most Shakespeare is. So anyway, guys, thank you for joining us again. Join us next week where we'll be covering Black Swan. Make sure to to uh, to go and, and watch it. Leave notes for us. Uh, review us on iTunes. We need all of those things uh, to keep this going. So and thanks everybody for your notes. We appreciate it. Heck and yeah. make sure to let us know if there's a film that you want to hear us talk about. Uh, until next week, I am Todd. I am Wes. Go watch some movies. Mm-hmm.